0: I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I serve a God who will never, ever, ever, ever fail. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know uh, about you, and I don't know what God you serve, but my God, he's never failed. And he never will fail. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, music team, for leading us in worship through singing. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you would turn with me to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. And as you're turning there, I want to rush to give honor to our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, our, our Creator and our Savior and our Comforter. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen want to give honor to my good friend and brother, uh, Pastor Dean. Thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk and proclaim the word of God. I know that there is good preaching in this place because I know Dean, Amen. right? And I know that he is a man who is uh, very serious about the word of God, very serious about the gospel. Yes. And so I know that there is no lack of preaching uh, in this place and, and to Laura and who stand beside him and helps prop him up um, because we know that, you know, as preachers and, and pastors, we need uh, some help to somebody to hold our arms up as we're interceding Amen. for the people of God. Uh, also want to tell you that Anne and Eden uh, sends their greetings. Uh, they couldn't be here today because we just had a denial weekend with uh, teenagers. And if you know anything about a D9 weekend and teenagers, you know, just getting them out the house and getting the house set and being able to get out to go to worship, it was just uh, a lot. And so uh, they are at uh, our church that we worship and serve with on, in Covington Bridge Church. Are you there at First, uh, First Kings, uh, the 19th chapter? I think I gave you enough time, right? First Kings, the 19th chapter. I'll read from the Christian Standard Bible you find these similar words. Please listen to the word of the Lord. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Then on the strength from that food... He walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life then the lord said to him go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of damascus when you arrive you are to anoint hazael as king over aram you are to anoint jehu son of nimshi as king over israel and elisha son of shaphath from abel mahola as prophet in your place Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. God, our Father, we are so grateful that you have called us to yourself, you have surrounded us with other believers, so we can worship your name and serve you. Now, Lord, as we continue in worship by the proclamation of your word, we ask that you would hide me behind the cross, God. that I would decrease and Christ would increase. God. God, we pray that you would sanctify us by the truth, for your word is truth. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, would convict us of sin. Will strengthen us where we are weak, would build us up where we are torn down. God, that you will continue to equip us for the calling that you have on our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning I'd like to talk on a subject. It's under control. Yeah. God. It's, under Amen. control. Amen. Amen. it's under control. The picture of Elijah that we see in this text. It's kind of out of character when we think of, generally, Elijah. You see, when we think of Elijah, we think of this mighty man of God, this mighty prophet of God who did great works of God yes. for the glory of God. Yes. When we think of Elijah, we think of, of someone who, who told a, a widow who was low on food, if you feed me first, yes. God will make sure that your pantry stays full. Amen. And it happened just as Elijah said it would happen. Amen. It's true. When we think of Elijah, we think of that prophet that prophesied that there would be no rain in the land. Yes. And there was a drought. Amen. There was not a drop of rain that fell for those years. Yes. yes. When we think of Elijah, we think of the man of God who confronted the idols of the day. Yes. And told them that God Yahweh is the true God of Israel. Yes. yes. And on Mount Carmel, there was an amazing display of God's power and glory. Yes. And the other prophets were outed as frauds. Yes. When we think of Elijah, we think of someone who, after the drought was ending, he said, there's going to be rain that comes in the land. And, yes. and there, was there was rain. We think of the prophet who who prayed to God for that widow's son who had died and this widow's son came back to life. We think of the time when Elijah was transferred from earth to heaven on a chariot of fire in a whirlwind. That's the picture we get when we think of Elijah. We don't think of Elijah as a prophet who is scared. (laughs) We don't think of Elijah as a prophet who is Disillusion, who is who is downhearted and downtrodden and possibly depressed. We don't think of someone who is motivated by fear, yes. but that's exactly the picture we see in our text today. Yes. You see, Elijah was on the run; he was scared for his life, and and the Bible says why he was scared because. Queen Jezebel was after him. You see, she was after him because they had a showdown on Mount Carmel. You might call this the battle of the gods where Elijah said, hey, look, it's it's time to to stop all this vacillating and and wavering between a god and and Baal and and Asherah. You need to choose who's really God, who you're really going to serve. And so the Bible says in chapter 18, the chapter just before the one we read, the Bible says that Elijah called for a contest. And, and the rules of this contest were simple. E- each side, you know, the, the God's side, which was represented by Elisha, and then Baal and Asher, represented by the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asher. They would have a contest. They would each set up a sacrifice. They would they would put an altar together, they would put wood on the altar, they would put a bull on the altar, but they wouldn't light a fire. And whoever, whichever God would answer by fire, we would know that that would be the true God. And the Bible says that Elijah says, you know what, I'm going to let you go first. the Bible says that the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they set up the altar to put wood on the altar, put the bull on, on on the wood, They didn't like to fight, and they started praying to their God, to to Baal and and Asherah. And the Bible says that they did that from morning to noon. So that's about a period of six hours. They did that for morning to noon, and there was no answer. And that's when Elijah said, hey, maybe you need to... You know, speak up a little louder. Maybe, maybe your God has, has gone to the bathroom or has gone around the corner to Rouse's to get something. Maybe he's on vacation. You, you need to do something to get his attention. Maybe he's asleep and you need to just wake him up. His alarm didn't go off in the morning. And the Bible says that they, they even cried, cried out a, aloud even, even more. They, they were dancing around the altar. They were cutting themselves. And this was going on from noon to about the time of the evening sacrifice, so about another six hours. So 12 hours they were calling on their God and no answer. Then Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. And so Elijah sets up the altar. He repairs the altar of the Lord, the Bible says, and, and he put 12 stones around the altar, and then he, he puts wood on the altar. He puts a, a bull on the altar, and he digs a trench around the altar. And just before he was going to light the fire, for the, before he, everything was set up, before they was going to have the contest, he does something very strange. Yes, yes. He calls some people and he says, get some water and dump it on the bull. Amen. Soak And then he said, do it again. And then he says, do it again. So now the, the sacrifice was soaked in water. So much, it was drenched so much, soaked so much, that the Bible says that the water came over the altar and filled the trench that he had dug. Amen. Then Elijah stepped back and he prayed a, a simple prayer. God, I know who you are. You know who you are. But so these people can know who you are, please answer. And the Bible says that fire came down from heaven Amen. and fire consumed the bull. It consumed the wood. It consumed the dust, it consumed the stones. And it also licked up the water that was in the trench. Amen. In other words, th- this was a shutout. There was no contest. Amen. God, Yahweh, the God of Israel was the true God. And on that, the, the false prophets of Baal and Asher were outed out and they were taken into custody and they were put to death. As scripture says, what you do with false prophets. Amen. What does this have to do with Jezebel? Well, she was a worshiper of Baal. And her majesty, Queen Jezebel, was embarrassed, royally embarrassed, if you want to say it that way. And not just embarrassed, she was angry. And she wanted to get revenge on this prophet who had showed everybody that their gods were frauds. So she sends a messenger to Elijah's house. The messenger rings the doorbell, and the messenger says, "Uh, I come on behalf of Her Majesty Queen Jezebel with a message. Hear ye, hear ye. Hear ye. If I don't kill you like you did to these prophets the gods will punish me. And Elijah says, you know what? I've been thinking about going south to do a vacation, and so I think it's about a good time for me to to go on a road trip. And the Bible says that he went all the way down to, to, to Beersheba, which is at the southernmost point of the kingdom of Judah. He drops his servant off there, and then he goes into the wilderness, and he goes and he says, I've had enough, God. Just take me. Just take me. Elijah was scared. He was was fearful. And why was Elijah scared? I really believe Elijah was scared because he felt like this situation was all out of control. No doubt, Elijah probably thought that after this display of God's glory and power, that there would be some type of revival in the land, that that the king and queen would realize in in their wickedness and their sinfulness that, Oh, we've been doing the wrong thing, and, and we're going to now serve the living, true God. But here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. Some people are just going to be rebellious. Yes. You can show people the goodness of God, the grace of God, how God is powerful. Some people are just going to have a hardened heart. Yes. Yes. Elijah thought, man, this should have been a, a move of God. This should have been revival. But there wasn't. Matter of fact, the, the, the situation didn't get better. The situation got worse yes. because now they're trying to kill him. So instead of having the revival, he's now a fugitive of the law because yes. they're out to get him. Yes. And so he cries out to the Lord, Lord, I, I, I've had enough. Lord, I, I, I'm done. I, I, I've had enough. I, I can't take this anymore. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Yes. Where you, have, where you have been in a situation where you said, God, I can't take it. I've had enough. I, I can't deal with this anymore, God. I, I just don't know what else I can do. And if that's you, Elijah knows how you feel. If you're in a situation where you, you're, you're not just done, you're not just through, you're just like too through, you're just too done, Elijah knows how you feel because that's how Elijah was. And the Bible tells us that, that he said, Lord, I, 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 I'm, I'm done, I, I've had enough, and, enough, Lord, just kill me. Just, just take me to heaven. And if that's you in here today, oh, I have some encouragement for you, because Elijah felt like the situation was totally out of control. But here's where Elijah was mistaken, because the situation wasn't out of control. It was just beyond his control. Amen. See, it, it was beyond his control. He cries out to God, Lord, take my life. And then we see God moves. Praise the Lord. See, God God is, God is sovereign. Sovereign, yes. that's, a, that's a theological term. It's a, it's a political term, but it's also a theological term. Uh, politically, it means that, you know, a nation can do what it wants, when it wants, how it wants, Right. When we talk about sovereignty of nations, that means that a particular country can do what it wants in its borders without any foreign interference. When we talk about, like, the United States is a sovereign nation, that means the United States can do what it wants, when it wants, how it wants, without any foreign countries interfering with American affairs. When we think about the sovereignty of God, theologically, what we're saying is God can do what he wants, when he wants how he wants without asking anybody for permission. Amen. God is sovereign. And see, Christians have always believed in the sovereignty of God. Uh, There there was an old statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed, and it it starts off with saying, I believe God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And, And that right there shows the sovereignty of God, because when you say that God is the maker or creator of heaven and earth, you know, whatever you create, you decide what you do with it. Amen, amen. When, when, I, was, when I was preparing for ordination, I had to uh, go before an ordination council, and they made me kind of, I had to memorize the articles of faith. And the second article of faith out of 18 that I had to memorize It was about God, and it says that we believe that the scriptures teach that there is one and only one living and true God, an infinite and intelligent spirit whose name is Jehovah, maker and supreme ruler of heaven and earth. Notice that? Supreme ruler. We have always believed that God is sovereign. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, without asking anybody Permission, And we see that God displays his sovereignty. He, he displays his power and his prerogative in this whole situation with Elijah. Look, look, look with me how God displays his sovereignty and, and his power in this situation. Notice God's presence. The Bible says that Elijah ran. Yes. He gets under this broom tree and prays, God, just just take me out, and he goes to sleep, and an angel comes and says, "Wake up, eat. Elijah looks and he sees that there's there's bread and there's water now elijah, I just learned that you work at the the cafeteria at the seminary, you know, and I'm sure you're a decent cook, you know I' got my mom in here, she's a decent cook I, you know I've eaten some food from it, y'all a decent cook but Man, could you imagine God cooking for you? I'm just saying. You know, I'm from Southeast Louisiana. I know good food, but I can't wait for the day when when I'm at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm just saying. When God prepares the meal for for you, the angel says, Get up and eat. And then you see later on, the the angel Lord returns, telling him, Get up and eat. And then he goes to the wilderness it goes further to, the, to Horeb, the mountain of God, and, and the Lord's going to pass by. And God's asking him questions like, what are you doing here? We know that we serve a God that's omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere at the same time. God, God doesn't go anywhere, and God doesn't really come. God is already there. While, while you're going, God is there, and he's waiting for you to get where he is. And He's already with you as you're traveling. Yes. So here, here's the thing. Elijah is running, but God's there with him. Amen. Yeah. He doesn't realize it, but God is with him in this situation. Uh, c- c- come in closer, family church, because you, you, you're on a run. Uh, you, you think you're going somewhere and you think God might not be there but God is there. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. God's there from your starting point. He's there already at your ending point, and he's all in between. God Amen. is present yeah. in your situation. Amen. Yeah. D- but don't just look at God's presence. We, we also, and these are all going to be P's, and I, I'm not a, a preacher that does alliteration, but this was so good, it, it just flowed in alliteration. God is not just present, but God also provides. Amen. Yeah. Elisha needed food and drink, and God gave him food and drink, and that food and drink gave him the strength to do what God was going to call him to do, the next thing. See, because God said, eat and drink because the journey is going to be too great for you. And so he had the strength from that food to go all the way to Horeb, which, which is another word for Mount Sinai. So he went. 40 days and 40 nights on a journey on the strength of the food that God had given him. Praise God. Come in closer. You see, you're in this situation and you're wondering if, if God is there. One of the evidence says that God is there and that you have everything you need. God is still providing for you. Amen. You're in this bad situation, this situation that you thought would have gonna be better, but it's It's been worse, and you're wondering, where is God? Look at God's power that even in the midst of your situation, God is still providing for you. God is present. God, God provides. But God also gives him a display of God's power. God said, I want you to come to the entrance of the cave. Come stand out in the cave. The Lord is going to pass by. And the Bible says that there was a great and mighty wind, and and, you know cliffs and rocks and all that stuff was breaking, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. (laughs) Then there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. But then there was a voice, a still, small voice. And Elijah recognized that God was present, And he covered his face in a mantle. This is a display of God's power. Obviously, you see the shaking of the mountain and the fire, and you see all of that, the earthquake. God is powerful, but also look at God's power. God is transcendent, but He's also imminent. He he is great, but He's also gentle. He's big and He's small. God is that. Powerful. You see, I'm, I'm a small guy, but, but, but I can't be bigger than I am. And, and we got some men in here who are big guys, but they can't be any smaller. You see, I, I have to try to be gentle and try to be strong and, and be able to hold those in balance. But here we have a God that is so powerful that he is great and strong and gentle and compassionate. That's a display of God's power, even in the middle of this situation. God is present. God is providing. God God has has power. He is powerful. But also, look at this God also gives perspective. Look, Elijah thinks he's all alone. He thinks he's all alone. So God says, I'm going to leave 7,000 in Israel who have not worshiped Baal, who have not. Bowed down and kiss him, that means that they haven't worshipped and served Baal. Elijah thinking he, he was all alone and that this mission was all dependent upon Elijah himself. And God's like, I, I don't depend on you. Like, I have 7,000 people who are still faithful. I still have a remnant of people who are still faithful, who are still living according to the covenant that I have established. Coming closer. You think you're all alone. You think that if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. You, you, you think that if, if you don't quote unquote save that person, they're not going to be saved. If, if you don't do these great things, they're not going to be done. God doesn't need us. Amen. If I wasn't preaching today, somebody else could be preaching the word of God today. Amen. And so God had to humble Elijah by giving him some perspective. You're not all that in a bag of that potato chips. I'm using you, but I don't need you. But we see this perspective, but we also see purpose. God says, I want you to go back to the wilderness of Damascus the way you came. And and I want you to go and I want you to anoint the next king of of Israel. I want you to anoint the next king of Syria, And I want you to appoint your successor. God gives him a task to go and do a certain purpose, for a certain purpose. God gives us purpose. And God has always given us purpose. Even from the very creation of of humanity, we were to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth to represent God in the world. And that purpose has not changed at all. Because we see in the Great Commission, we have purpose. And the purpose in the Great Commission is the same. To be fruitful. In other words, make more disciples. Make disciples. Go into the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and to obey everything that I've taught you, and I am with you always. There's that presence again Amen. until the end of the world. There's Amen. purpose that God gives Elijah, even in the midst of this terrible situation. And here, here, here's the last P. God is also patient. Amen. Praise God. You see, there, there's presence, and there's, there's, there's uh, provision, and, and there is power, and there's perspective, and there's purpose, but there's also patience. Notice what God didn't do. Elijah is complaining. He said, God, I'm out here all by myself. They're trying to kill me, and I'm the only one out here. And he's just crying, just having a pity party. God didn't say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. God didn't say, I don't want to hear none of that. That's what I would say. I would say, suck it up, drive on, soldier. But that's not what God did. God listened. Amen. God nurtured and nourished him. Amen. God, Elijah, to the point where he understood that God was still sovereign and God was still on the throne. Amen. And then God sent him forward. Amen. Now, here's for for the Christians that are a bit stronger in their faith. We don't have to be down on somebody who's already down. Amen. We don't have to push people down and, and say, oh, you should, be, you should be more mature than that. You, this shouldn't bother you. This is, now, there, there's a time for, for tough love, but look how God dealt with his prophet. Amen. God nourished him. He nurtured him. And they said, okay, here, here, you got it. You, you got the strength. For, you got the food. You see that I'm still great, that I'm still in control. Okay, now you go. God showed him, you're looking at this situation when you shouldn't be looking at this situation, you should be looking at me and my power. And that should get you through. So we see that God gives a demonstration that he's still sovereign. God shows Elijah that he's still on the throne. And so the situation was beyond Elijah's control. But it wasn't beyond God's control. God basically showed Elijah that it's out of your control. But your situation is under control because I, God, am still in control. And the thing is that as long as God is in control, your situation is under control. It might not be in your control, but it is still under control because God is still on the throne. And so what happens after this? We didn't read verse 19. The verse 19 says that Elijah goes out and he goes and finds Elisha and he appoints Elisha as the next prophet to succeed Elijah. Yeah, yeah. After Elijah saw God's power and saw that God was still in control, he was able to do what God had called him to do. Amen. Here's the thing, uh, friends, brothers, and sisters whenever we let emotion control and cloud our view, we will leave our post, we will leave our assignment, we would abandon our assignment. But when we look at who God is, and we, we focus on who God is and what God has told us to do. We have the strength to carry out the assignment that God has called us, no matter what the external circumstances Amen. are. hallelujah. Because we serve a God who is always in control. Oh. We serve a God who is on the throne. He hasn't left the throne. He is still on the throne. So your situation may be out of your control, but it's still under control because God is in control. Hallelujah. And so if Elijah was here today and if Elijah was preaching or teaching today, he would say, no matter what your situation is, it might be out of your control, but it's still under control because God is in control. If Elijah was here today, he would say, Be not dismayed, whatever the tide, because God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. And if you don't believe that God is still in control, Elijah would say, All you gotta do is look in the scripture. Amen. Elijah would say, Do you remember when when the children of Israel were escaping from Egypt and there was a Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind him? And it looked like things were out of control, but then God split the Red Sea and gave them a highway to go through the Red Sea. Praise it looked like it was out of control, but it was still under control because God was in control. Do you remember the story of Esther? When, when you had the, the chief advisor of the king that was, that was plotting to kill all the Jews, yes. and it looked like the situation was out of control, but way. Queen Esther said, you know what, I want y'all all to, pray, to fast and pray, yes. and I'm going to go and see the king yes. myself, and the king hadn't summoned me, but I'm still going to go and see him, which if you know about that situation in that culture, that was a death sentence. You don't Amen. just go and see the king without the king summoning you, Amen. but Esther did, and although that situation looked like it was out of control. We find out that the situation was under control because God was in control, and the person who made the plot fell victim to the plot. Yes. But that's not the last situation. You see, it looked like everything was out of control when, when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. It looked like the situation was out of control when they took him from judgment hall to to judgment hall on trumped up charges. It looked like the situation was out of control When, when they beat him all night long and put a crown of thorns on his head. It looked like it was out of control when they marched him up Calvary's mountain. It looked like it was out of control when they nailed his hands to the cross. It looked like it was out of control when, when I was growing up, they sang a song that says, they, they, they hung him high and they stretched him wide and he hung his head and then he died. It looked like it was out of control when they took him and put him in Joseph of Matthias tomb. It looked like it was out of control when he was in the grave all night Friday night and all day fr- uh, Saturday and all night Saturday night. But on Sunday morning, <laughs> early on Sunday morning, we realized that the situation wasn't out of control. We realized that the situation was under control because God was still in control. And if God is still in control, your situation is under control and you can have hope and you can have courage and you can have faith that God is still on the, on the throne and you can do what God has called you to do. Don't get me sorry now. Don't get me sorry. Your situation might be beyond your control. But as long as God is on the throne, and listen, we know that God is on the throne. Praise because he lives, I could face tomorrow. Oh. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds tomorrow. And life is worth living because he... So we know that he's still on the throne, and because God is on the throne, whatever you're going through, whether it's health problems, whether it's emotional problems, whether it's work problems, whether it's marital or family problems, whether it's financial problems, and it seems like you just can't wrap your hands around it because it seems like it's out of control. No, it's just beyond my control, but I serve a God who's in control, and since he's in control, my situation is under control. Please join me in prayer. God, our Father. God, we thank you for this word and scripture that reminds us that you are still on the throne and you are still in control. God, sometimes we let fear and emotions in our circumstances rule our hearts. Thank you for this reminder from Elisha's story from Elijah's story, but also from the story of the gospel, that when our sin and our situation seemed like it was out of control, that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the beauty of the gospel. He rose from the dead. And because of that, we realize that, God, you're still in control. And because of that, our situation is under control. And we thank you for that. And, Lord, we pray for if there's anybody in here who doesn't know you or Jesus in the pardon of their sins, we pray right now, God, that you would convict their hearts and that they would come running to you, throwing themselves on the mercy of the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.